Today on Anything is Potable, we're talking about the Celtics 116-105 loss to the Houston Rockets that snapped their seven-game win streak. And then, of course, we'll be hitting Grant Williams' Settlers of Catan table. Anything is Potable and the Athletic Podcast Network is supported by Quip, the electric toothbrush, or the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth convenient and easy. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds so you clean your mouth evenly and they deliver brush head refills every three months. Like dentist, recommend every three months. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Welcome to Anything is Potable here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, professional Celtics fan, Sam Jam Packard, joined by the kid, the great, the Celtics beat reporter, A1 Athletic, uh, from theathletic.com, the great Jay King. How are you doing this evening, Jay? I'm doing glorious. I got a men's league victory. Smacked around some dude who was chirping on Twitter. No big deal. And I also got a men's league victory, uh, and I actually had a horrible game. So um, just winners all around. Not winning tonight. The Boston Celtics, who have their seven-game win streak snapped at the hands of James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and the Houston Rockets. Uh, it was kind of an interesting game just because these Rockets uh, are a totally new-look team. Well, not a totally new-look team, but definitely have committed to small ball since trading uh, Clint Capella. And it's a new look for the Celtics. They kind of thrived on being the team that goes small, being the quick team. And it kind of uh, was a different matchup for them. I, it's definitely seemed like they struggled uh, on offense with a defense that kind of was switching everything. Uh, and then it just was a kind of a dirty foul game that happens when you play the Rockets. But just kind of interesting matchup because the Celtics were playing a, a kind of, I would say their best basketball of the season heading into this game. But this game was uh, pretty ugly, and the Celtics didn't seem entirely prepared for just a team that was much smaller than them and kind of quicker than them. Yeah, I think it was a really interesting matchup because obviously the Rockets, as presently constituted, they are going to switch more than just about any other team the Celtics play. And they switch with physical defenders. And two things I think happened that don't usually happen to the Celtics. One, like the the clean looks that Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker get for pull up threes, those are tougher to come Not by there. when nobody's playing regular pick and roll coverage. Like the Rockets just don't do that; they just switch, and they're there. And so it was interesting to see like how that impacted their offense. I think the Celtics were less physical driving against switches than they probably should have been and less patient when they got to the rim than they probably should have been. And then, like, going 11 for 32 on threes, not great. Could, could have been better. Like, it, it wasn't a huge three-point shooting game for them. I guess it wasn't an awful one. Um, but, like, especially in the first half, it seemed like like they really missed a lot of shots that could have given them a much better chance. They, they went into halftime up two, and it felt like, it could have been better than that if their offense had flowed better. 
Yeah, it felt like the Celtics uh, had really gotten used to being the quicker team and being able to drive by guys. And you mentioned the pull-up uh, threes, which was uh, kind of a huge thing for um, Walker and Tatum. Neither of them had a great game uh, tonight. Kemba was 5 of 17, 1 of 6 from 3. Tatum was 5 for 15, 0 of 7 from 3. Um, but it seemed like at no point were the Celtics really able to punish, I guess, the the Rockets for being too small. It's like in the second quarter, Cantor kind of got some some opportunities to do so, but they could never really get him the ball. He never really made an impact on the offensive glass like he normally does. Um, still question if he's all the way healthy, but he definitely didn't have an impact uh, on the offensive end. Grant Williams wasn't great. I thought he had some moments of kind of good defense, but um, it's just hard for him to to guard players like um, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. And then Tice, I thought he was like, he's clearly going to be your most of like a, your go-to five, but that's just not not his game. And like posting Tice up is not what you're going to do. So the Celtics just felt like they were, the only person who was really uh, at all effective was Gordon Hayward, who finished with only 20 points, but eight of 14. Um, he seemed to be getting to his spots and kind of attacking more off the dribble. But you're right, they... They just weren't ready to deal with this, um, like guys who are smaller than them, and and all of that uh, switching and basically pretty much switching everything. And then on the other end of the court, I mean, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are very good, and the Celtics seemed like they were throwing some interesting doubles uh, at both of those guys, mostly at uh, Harden, uh, but just kind of very much put their offense in rotation and. Uh, the the Rockets just play this style where it's just like Harden, then Westbrook, Westbrook, then Harden, and it's very hard to stay in front of those guys and not foul. And the Celtic, like the Rockets, the, got to the free throw line forty two times. The that's streak kind of, that really that's a killed large the number. Celtics in the fourth quarter was when they were coming back. Smart makes the really good defensive play. I think they pulled within two, maybe four, but every time they cut it back, they seemed like they fouled a three point shooter. It was. Oh, Kemba. yeah. They cut it to with two, and then the, the Rockets hit five free throws in a row. And just like to kind of put the game out of reach. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. Um, if cool, you cool, 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 so, cool. So rudely <laughs> cut me off. <laughs> but it, like they fouled, they fouled Harden on a couple of three pointers. They fouled Robert Covington on a three pointer. It was just foul, foul, foul behind the arc. And that killed it. Killed any chances they had of coming back. They kind of got the Rockets in foul trouble themselves. I mean, in the third quarter, they played in the bonus for eight minutes, and they didn't really capitalize off that. Uh, then they had uh, Harden with five fouls and, like, limping on his ankle. Covington had five fouls. It felt like they had more opportunities to um, attack and get the ball moving side to side. I think there's something that Scal uh, and Perk— Well, Perk didn't really point this out on the broadcast, but we'll talk about Perk on the broadcast later because that guy is— electric but Scal pointed out that like the Celtics kind of played the same Houston Rockets style of ball where they were doing a kind of a lot of it just seemed like the like once the switch happened they didn't really know what to do like what their counter move was to that and they played a lot kind of a lot of one-on-one basketball where the ball wasn't switching sides and they weren't attacking guys off the dribble and it felt like they could have done more to get to the line because they were actually got to the line 25 times tonight which is it's a pretty good number for the Celtics but when you compare it to the 42 times of the Rockets it's just it's hard to win 
uh, basketball games where you're giving up that much in kind of the free throw differential. Yeah, the, the free throws were tough. And the other thing, we'll, we'd probably be talking about this game differently if Tatum had hit three out of seven three-pointers or if, if Kemba had hit three out of six three-pointers. Like, when those two guys aren't hitting, both of them at the same time, the Celtics can have a tough time scoring points. And Kemba, I think he went scoreless after halftime, if I'm not mistaken. I certainly don't remember him getting buckets. Yeah, I I think he went scoreless after halftime, which is very unusual. Tatum clearly wasn't his night. He airballed a free throw on top of going 0 for 7 from the three-point arc. And, you know, Tatum, obviously, they weren't all great shots, but he's a tough shot maker. And he's hit a very high percentage of off-the-dribble three-pointers this year. And so you can kind of live with him taking some of the off the dribble threes that he did take. And some nights he's just going to go over seven and he hasn't missed well, in a just, while. He was never in a rhythm. And I think that's a credit to the Rockets of being playing, using the Brad Stevens turn, like getting into the ball, um, really putting a high pressure on the Celtics and stepping up on those switches. Just to like, there's no comfortable, just step into it. And so I thought, yeah, it's really hard for the Celtics to win when both of those guys are struggling and, Jalen Brown was four from eight from deep, and like as mentioned before, Hayward stepped up. Actually, Brad, Brad Wanamaker gave him a, a kind of a solid push off the bench, um, but they, the scoring was the kind of the toughest thing, which was not what I uh, expected going into this game. It really was going to be stopping Westbrook and Harden, which they, you know what, they also didn't do that. The, the Rockets are super physical with their switching because they have P.J. Tucker and James Harden super strong and... Daniel House is a big wing, and now Robert Covington is 6'8 and long and pretty strong too. So they're super physical with the switching. You have to be strong on your drives against them. I didn't feel like the Celtics were always strong enough and purposeful enough with their drives. The Cantor minutes were just a disaster. Oh, like, not good. They were – It was. It's, let's just put it out there. That is as tough a matchup as you can dream up for Ennis Cantor, like a team that doesn't play any centers – but still has strong men to go against him in the post. He didn't get anything when he was trying to post up P.J. Tucker at all. He threw, like, one of the weirder turnovers. He just, like, flailed and tossed it away. And the Celtics went zone for a few possessions while he was on the court, basically saying, like, we cannot possibly guard you with Ennis Cantor on the court, so please don't score while he's out there. We hope he can get offensive rebounds and maybe score in the post a couple times. But this is a matchup where this like they could have gone to more Grant at center, but another matchup where it's like it's not every night that they're gonna miss Robert Williams a lot, but there are certain matchups when you need a mobile big and when a mobile big would be very helpful and certain matchups when Cantor just doesn't really cut it and the Rockets are like very much at the top of that list because of how small they play, because of how strong they are, and because they have Harden, who's just a maestro in the pick and roll, and who can just kind of like pick and choose who he wants to defend him and then just go at guys. Do you think they should have gone to the best five lineup uh, sooner? It felt like Brad waited to that till the very end. And is this, a, I guess, a possible blueprint for how to beat the Celtics uh, in the playoffs, say if you're an Eastern Conference team like the Toronto Raptors, or you have maybe the the new look Heat can do this of 
maybe putting a smaller lineup in, knowing that size isn't going to hurt you, and just switching everything uh, on defense? Is that kind of the blueprint to beat the Celtics, and is the best five a possible way to kind of defeat that blueprint? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure switches are always the way against the Celtics. I think Kemba Walker, a lot of nights, will just kill switches. He's so fast that if you have to put a guy who's not a point guard on him, then it's just really tough to guard him. The second half, he wasn't very effective. Um, so, like, there are a few teams who are built like the Rockets, obviously. And by that, I mean, like, P.J. Tucker is just pretty unique in his ability to guard all five positions. Some of those other guys are pretty unique with their physicality down low. So I don't know if it's a blueprint. I don't know if it was just an off night for the Celtics. But definitely the Rockets did take them out of what they did and what they've been doing really well for the last couple of weeks and while they were on this seven-game winning streak and even before that for, like, I think they'd won 10 of their last 11 games. Now, Jay, if you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Uh, a week, maybe? Do you have a guess? A week and a half. Six well, days. you'd be so wrong. Eight days. Um, but luckily, if the, if this was Price is Right Nine style, days. you'd still be in. 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. That's basically a month. In the month we're currently in, that is a month. Shout out to Leap Year. So if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you probably want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you medication within two days. That's free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are zero commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Now, Jay, coming off the win streak you are just talking about, they were uh, seven in a row, 10 of their last 11. I guess now it's 10 of their last 12. How should the Celtics feel about uh, themselves heading into the All-Star break? A lot of those wins came against um, not the best teams. You had a lot of Orlando Magic in there. You had some double Hawks. Um, it wasn't the, the toughest wins, but they did pick up some good wins against the, the, the Heat. The win in OKC was good. The win against the Heat was good. I was going to get to that. That the was my next. The win against Philadelphia without Kemba was good. They've had some pretty good wins lately. I think you, you just disrespected the, the run that they went on. Well, you like literally interrupted me before I was going to yeah. get to you know the good wins You know who I learned that from? The host of this podcast. Ooh, well, you called me the host, so I think I'm moving up in the world. But the Celtics... How should they feel heading into the All-Star break? And I, I think a, a, que a question to figure out before then is, what is the health of this team and what do they do about Jalen Brown's ankles? Do you play him heading into this Clippers game? How important is this Clippers game? Uh, or should they just worry more about kind of getting into the break healthy and kind of focus more on uh, Eastern Conference? I think health in the regular season is always the important thing. I think... Jalen's issue tonight apparently was just a calf issue. 
Not nothing to do with the ankles. Calf calf bruise. So unrelated. He's just had a tough tough little luck here. Um, yeah, I, you always prioritize health during the regular season. Sit whoever needs to be sit. If if Jalen's ankles are good enough to play, play him. If they're not, don't play him. I think from a Celtics perspective, this streak, even though they didn't gain any ground on Toronto for second place, like they put some space between Philadelphia, them and Philadelphia, they put some space between them and the Pacers. Miami's a couple games down now. So the Celtics, they have an inside track at the second or third seed. And that could be important, especially if Philadelphia stays in five and the Sixers stay in six because, or the Pacers stay in six, because I think the Pacers are the team you probably want to play in the first round. If if you can't get the two seed and play probably Brooklyn, then the Pacers among the top six are, I think the the obvious choice to want to play. Um, but yeah, it's a tough stretch. Tough stretch is scheduled for the Celtics coming up. It, it's not going to be wild. easy for them. Oh no, and it's they have a very tough road trip um, coming out of the All Star break where they go Minnesota, L.A. against the Lakers, then Portland and Utah on a back to back. So kind of a tough stretch for them. It's very wild that they haven't been able to gain any ground on the Raptors, who have won I believe fourteen straight at this point, which is insane. Um, I think the Raptors would also say it's kind of it, wild that they haven't been able to gain more ground on the Celtics. Those two uh, have clearly separated themselves for uh, the race in the for the two seed. I think it's important that the Celtics have made that ground and separated themselves. Obviously, uh, there's a huge drop off from uh, playing the Nets to playing the Pacers, but I still I agree with you that there's also an additional drop off uh, between playing the Pacers and the Sixers. The Sixers we've seen kind of the struggle the Celtics have had playing against them. If Joel Embiid gets like a little bit motivated from a couple tweets, maybe he'll come out and play a good game. Uh, Al Horford moving to the bench, I think was a, a, a brilliant move by the Sixers to kind of get out, extract his winning plays and do kind of get more from their uh, starting lineup. So I think it will be interesting for the Celtics uh, positioning wise with the Raptors for the rest of the season, because if they do manage to get that two seed, that's basically a, a gimme in in round one unless uh Kevin Durant like magically decides to come back for the playoffs so I think it'll be interesting how they treat this game against the Clippers the Clippers are on a long road trip uh they just lost to the Sixers tonight um but it's going to be I think seeding will become very important down the stretch and I think games like this it's the I don't know I think this is one of those uh process wins where it's there's definitely things the Celtics could have done better, but it's not like earlier in the year when we are talking about them not playing with uh, enough effort or not trying. It just felt like the they went up against a really talented team that played kind of this crazy style where five guys played over 35 minutes at the night. Like, it's just, they have such a different style than the rest of the NBA that it's it feels like you're completely watching a different basketball game. And even defensively, it's just so weird, like... You don't double anybody else like the way teams are doubling Harden now. So, like when it felt like they were in a like a zone kind of half the time, where it's just like depending on what Harden did, they would double or or like kind of fall back into a zone. Yeah, it it was just it was just it's just you cover them differently than you cover any other team, and we don't have much time to prepare for them in the regular season. It's just kind of jarring 
how different you have to play against them. And it looked like a couple of times some of the Celtics got caught out of position, maybe making rotations they weren't supposed to make. Um, there was a play at the end of the game that had nothing to do with with doubling or zoning or anything like that. But Marcus Smart was kind of looking at Jalen Brown to switch, and you could see him kind of motion out. And Westbrook, Jalen didn't switch onto Westbrook, and Westbrook just went in for a layup. Marcus was just barking at him. Uh, Jalen, five turnovers. He hit a bunch of shots. He was one of the few guys hitting shots, but otherwise sort of a blah game for him. I thought Tatum had some great defensive moments. Especially in transition, Tatum got back and made some nice steals. Um, Some people out there are calling him defensive player of the year. Michael Pina said that he's a a reason why the Celtics are going to be finals contenders. So a lot of Tatum hype heading into his first All-Star game. Yeah, Tatum. I mean, he's he's earned it recently with, with most of his play. Obviously, it was a down game in Houston. But he's earned it. Looks like Smart is uh, pretty steaming about the calls, and he probably deserves to be. I thought he He got got elbowed right in the head. He got elbowed right in the jaw, and they called him for a foul. He got what I thought was a clean block of Westbrook, and they called him for a foul. And then there was a couple of times it looked like Westbrook hit him with a hook, and they didn't call Westbrook for the foul. And one time they did call Smart for a foul. I believe so. He kind of got a, a tough, tough shake of the whistle against Houston, and he, I feel like he hasn't gotten that much lately. I feel like his reputation has finally caught up to him. Where some of the tough calls, the tough whistles he got earlier in his career, maybe have gone away, but that wasn't the case tonight. I thought Brad Stevens kind of blew a chance to challenge when Smart got elbowed in the jaw and smart was telling him to challenge and telling him but didn't they review it anyway or is that just for the they reviewed it they reviewed it for a potential flagrant and but not for a challenge so it was just a kind of a bizarre night all around especially from the officials we had the officials called a double foul that was insane double foul on a block charge call they called a block and a charge on the same possession that's literally not even possible you cannot have a block and a charge on the same possession. How? How? It, it just one referee had one thing and one the other referee had the other. I mean, it, they, it was kind of a bizarre game. You had some weird things going on. I don't with think I've Kimba. ever seen that before, though. No, because it shouldn't happen by definition. I mean, um, it's kind of a nonsense call where they just, in that situation, they have to over like go with one guy. They basically forced D'Antoni to use his challenge there. Um, the challenges is are kind of weird because you really should not use them until the final two minutes of the game because it doesn't feel like it's going to have that big of an impact. And then when you have you like when a coach has used them up, it feels so stupid not to be able to kind of correct the call. Um, so it's just kind of an odd, an odd game all around. Now, did you? Very important question, Jay. Did you watch on TNT or did you watch with uh, on CSN? I watched with TNT. Perkins Scout in the booth. Oh, you missed out, my friend. Uh, I disagree. I mean, I know you. Oh well, tell me, tell me the vir- spread of the virtue of the TNT broadcast. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't. I, I missed out. <laughs> I missed out. You're on just it. being oppositional, like you always are. I'm. I see. No, 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 no. I. Uh, I'm thinking about boycotting NBC Sports Boston. 
Ooh, why is that? They just don't show me enough respect. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be out on that. <laughs> is, is there a story here, or are they just generally disrespecting the kid? They've had me on TV one time. They got they got chumps on TV. i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm totally kidding for those people out there i am kidding uh mike gorman is probably the greatest team play-by-play guy of all time i have nothing but respect for the people who work at nbc sports boston you missed kendrick perkins just shooting from the hip uh i did see the quote about Kyrie that he had i i saw that that was like the that was just casual. He just he said really Kyrie dropped it made in there. him want to throw up every time he saw him. <laughs> What's crazy? That's hilarious. his former teammate. Like they played I together know. for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, but Kyrie makes him want to throw up. He was also uh, casually mentioned that Jalen Brown was the best two way player in basketball. To and he got crickets from Scal and uh, Mike Gorman. He was like very very apologetic. To Is Jalen even the for- best two way player on the Celtics? Nope. No, it feels like if you're going to make that claim, you make you go Mike Pina and say it's it's Jason Tatum, but and he's like the whole two way player thing just pisses me off. Anyway, I I'm not going to get into this discussion, but I will note it for the uh, the ledger. Jay does not like the phrase two way player. Everybody plays t- two ways. If- that is true, but so, James Harden is not a two way player. Yeah, he is because. He's not good at playing one of the ways. He's a, That's the fine. Best. He's so good at playing the other way that two-way, he's still better than almost every bro out there. But but let's move on because this is going to annoy the listener god. <laughs> the only other thing I want to talk about with Perk was that he he was like v- apologized multiple times to Gordon Hayward for ever doubting him in the past, and it felt like a very sincere uh, apology. He's just like, I was, I'm sorry. I never have like seen him play, and he's just he's very good at basketball. And I'm sorry for doubting him. The the perk Who experience, perk. What? Like, how has he never seen Gordon Hayward play basketball? No, I mean he's see like Scal tried to be like, no, it's different seeing him in person than on television. I don't know. Perk was shooting from the hip, and it was fantastic. He was just saying whatever the hell he wanted, and it's just I'm here for perk. It just added a layer of kind of nonsense and bewilderment to the broadcast that I was here for. The game in front of the Celtics had a lot of former Celtics stuff going on. Just a lot of former Celtics stuff going on. Al Horford. Marcus Morris had himself a night. Al Horford came off the bench for Philadelphia. First year of a big old contract. And he's coming off the bench. Marcus Morris getting in a shoving match with Joel Embiid. Just naturally. Uh, expected. If if you know anything about Marcus Morris, you know you knew he was going to come into a new situation with a bang. Like I know he's played for the Clippers before, but that was his first primetime game with the Clippers, and there was there was at least a hundred percent chance that he was going to shove Joel Embiid during that game. You just remember the classic GIF of uh, Marcus Morris doing three zero in Embiid's face during the uh, Sixers. Uh, playoff series of two years ago. They they historically don't like each other. It's interesting for Marcus Morris to be in Philly and to kind of do that. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a fun night of basketball. Actually, the Celtics Rockets game was not that. It was kind of like you, you expected the pace of those two teams playing so small to, for the score to be like in the one thirties. But this was just kind of a slow 
kind of ugly game where it was whistles galore. And it was just a, a bizarre night with kind of weird plays happening left and right. Talking about the double foul. Kemba tried to draw a foul and threw a heave that hit off the rim. That um, was that insane. Ended. I can't believe we haven't talked about that play until now. That deserved much better billing in this podcast. That was one of the most insane plays I've ever seen. It turned into like almost a two for one. They, it was the perfect timing, and like if he intended to do it, it was fantastic. But he was really just trying to draw a foul from basically three quarters court, and it's just I'm sh- one shocked there wasn't a call, and two is just shocked that it worked out that well. Yeah, I mean it. it it bounced softly off the rim, <laughs> went straight to the Celtics, and they scored an easy bucket. It, that was an insane play. The Celtics came out of halftime and were just doggy do, just do do do, absolute do 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 baby for like five minutes. They they scored, I think, a single free throw. It was just do do do, and that was they. They was some of their worst offense of the season. You said. You know, with a lot of small ball, you thought there'd be a lot of scoring. Whenever when you can switch and when you can have versatile defenders everywhere, the Celtic you should know this from watching the Celtics every night, Packard. You should know this. When you can switch and you got big physical wings, it's tough to score against those bros. And the Rockets, they have that. So they, they surprised me with how physical uh defense they played. And you just like I don't think of Maybe it's because I've just been my mind has been warped by the phrase two way players, but you just don't think of Harden and Russ uh, as those type of guys. I think Russell Westbrook gets a lot of shit in this like kind of this stage of his career, but he was so damn good tonight. Like especially in transition, he is explosive to the basket, and thirteen for twenty three is a good performance that's shooting higher than 50 percent and he got to the free throw line he knocked down his free throws 36 points he also had 10 boards and five assists like this was a very very good russell westbrook game and it gets overshadowed by james harden but damn like russ is explosive and kind of the perfect guy especially like in this new offense for like them to it feels like trading capella and spacing out the floor is perfect for like this duo of rockets I don't know if it's perfect. Like Harden can score no matter what. You could put five donkeys out on the court or four donkeys out on the court and Harden would still get his 40. But it helps if those donkeys think, are all six, eight and can switch on defense. I I think with Westbrook though, like it definitely helps him because Capella was always in the near the lane and his defender was always near the lane. Now when he's driving, there are just four bros spotted up at the three-point arc. And so he he has a lot more space and time to kind of attack guys and try to get to the rim. I think he's going to end up being the biggest beneficiary, at least offensively, of this new look for the Rockets because, like, Harden can maneuver through anything, but Russ kind of needs circumstances to be right for him to be super efficient, and he's been efficient He's been efficient for a while. He's he's been really good for a while. I, I I am known to slander Russell Westbrook. All my friends will tell you I am not nearly as big a Russell Westbrook guy as a lot of people are. But I I'm here to admit Russell Westbrook has been playing quality basketball lately. Hand up, hand up. That's big of you. You're not often one to admit your mistakes until you've been. Oh, I wasn't. Made I was. Of. I didn't make a mistake. Don't get me wrong. 
he he played ridiculously basketball. inefficient basketball for years <laughs> in Oklahoma City, and I will not apologize yeah, maybe for they the had takes Steven I had. Adams clogging the lane. I will not apologize for the takes I had on him when he was chucking six three pointers a game at twenty three percent or whatever it was. But I will admit that he's played a lot better lately, and he's he's attacking at the rim and finishing. And he was hell for the Celtics today. He he did a great great job. It made some really good defenders look like they were unathletic. And he, he got by Marcus Smart a couple times, although he hooked him at least once. And like the the one that really stood out to me too was the finish over Hayward in transition, where Hayward almost like couldn't even jump by the time Russ was like He exploded. That was so him. quick. Yeah, it, it was it was so quick. So quick. So shouts to Russ and shouts to me. For giving a shot to Russ. Oh, congratulations, Shay. You're doing uh, honorable work. One last question before we get to Grant Williams, Settlers of Catan table. Um, and this is me just, you know, turning over the expertise to Jay King, who has never made a mistake uh, and gets props for giving props. Do you <laughs> think this Rockets team uh, can make some noise in the playoffs? I think it was something that Scal and Perk were talking about. It, they certainly have gone all in. Like basically, their starting five are the five guys who are going to play over forty minutes in the playoffs, and their bench is Austin Rivers and Ben McLemore. Is this something? Is this a team that can win a playoff series, in which is a pretty good Western Conference? I think it's going to be very tough for them to come out of the West. I think not come out. I mean, just win one when there's time to scheme against series? them. Yes, yeah, one they, they playoff could, series. They could win one. Who would they play against if if the season ended today? I think they're in like the sixth seed. They'd probably they're play in the fifth like the, seed. They'd play Utah. They, they could absolutely beat Utah. Like there's they a just chance. lost to Utah. One game, middle of the regular season, bro. And Bogdanovich hit some nonsense to do it. So let's let's let's. Okay, but if they there. if the Clippers slip at all, like. So you think they could beat the Jazz? Do you think they could beat the Clippers, Nuggets, or Lakers in a playoff series? I just think like it it it's going to be tough for them to navigate everybody with the lack of size they have. I think the Lakers are ginormous, and I know they beat the Lakers already with their small lineup. But it's different when when you can scheme against a team and you can scheme on ways to like you cannot scheme for size. Like no matter what their coaches do, their tallest guy is going to be six seven. And when you're playing Anthony Davis and when you're playing JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard or when you're playing Nikola Jokic, like, that's going to matter at some point. I think their their best players are good enough. And P.J. Tucker, I include him. Like, he's really good. Eric Gordon, when he's right, is really good. Like, they have some really good top-shelf players. And they'll have a chance against anybody, I think. But it's just going to be really hard for them to navigate through all of that at the size that they have. I would tend to agree. I mean, I think as long as they have Harden, they have a chance to do something just because you, you play the best player on the court card. And with the current offense, I think he, he could go for like he could average at least 50 in a series. Like, I think that's what they'd have to do. But I don't think that's too crazy just because of the way their offense is designed and how much of the uh, offense is basically just stand and watch Harden. But it's too early to be talking about the playoffs, Jay. You should know that. You shouldn't even engage me in such a silly forecast that you don't like to make predictions. Instead, 
we will talk about Grant Williams' Settlers of Catan table. That's right, Grant Williams, subpar Settlers of Catan player, but he has his own table, and each week, Jay and I name the four players on the Boston Celtics who are most deserving of sitting down, getting some ore, some sheep, some wood, some brick. You know the you know the rules, Jay. You know all the stuff I'm talking about. I'm not. Uh, and you, I, don't put that evil on me. I've never played <laughs> the game and will never play the game. The game is for nerds, and Jay hates nerds. But he plays the game with me where he names the top four players of the Celtics. I think number one, obviously there, has to be Jason Tatum. You win Eastern Conference Player of the Week, you get to sit at the table. It's easy as that. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was a superstar for that week. And that's that's all. There's nothing all right. more that needs to be said except what I just said. All right, uh, nominations for second chair. Uh, Marcus Smart, you're too slow. Just for his, the steal he got against the Thunder at the end of that game, the winning plays he made. He I saved think he Gordon Hayward, man. He saved Gordon Hayward because Gordon Hayward. He absolutely did. Going up for a dunk and not making the dunk while up three with 14 seconds left when you could just wait to get fouled was one bad decision. And and Marcus Smart saved him. After the, the Celtics tried to give away that Thunder game like right at the end. They uh it was Does it was Gordon a have near the yips collapse. at the at the rim? Hayward. He's also a two point daddy, but he did miss that who what game let's, did he miss that horrible Does he have the yips? I mean the guy's shooting was. like eighty percent at the rim this season. <laughs> Does he have the yips? Uh, late game situations at the rim. My most recent memories are that play and the one where he completely missed the alley oop. So, does he have the yips? It's just it's worth asking the question. But well, we're not going to answer it here. The answer Who is, is your an nomination? No. <laughs> Who is your nomination for third chair? Uh, that's a good question. That is. We have the Atlanta game, which is kind of a, a silly game that, that it was much closer than it needed to be. But I don't know. It feels like there was like Tatum was such the story in most of these contests. Um, Jalen was hurt for some of it. Grant will. Like, Kemba went nuclear at the end of the uh, Oklahoma City game. I think that is uh, quite that, deserving. Yeah. And that was, I mean, he was just lighting fools up. He was, they were going at Gallinari and he was hitting threes and there wasn't nothing the Thunder could do about it. So (laughs) I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Kemba. I have no, uh, no complaints there. I think the last spot comes down to whether or not you reward a young guy for just one. one, That was where I was about to go. Romeo, where he showed signs of life. He got the start. He showed some signs of life. Uh, I guess he showed signs he, of life in two games. I apologize, Romeo. But he also, uh, at the trade deadline, had the electric quote that he said he didn't know he could be traded, which is fantastic. Uh, just perfect Romeo stuff. Um, I think for him, for that one game against the Hawks where he scored 16 points, I think he's deserving. He had a couple blocks, three blocks in that game. Or do you give it for to... 
old Daniel Tice for his double-double against the Thunder. Right now I'm leaning Romeo just because he hasn't got to play before. See, and that, that feels like the more fun decision. I think I think we go Romeo because Tice, uh, you kind of expect him to be dependable and you expect him to be good. He's, he's one of those guys now that the expectations are that he's going to do things like get double-doubles or even when he's not getting stats, he's going to be really impactful. Romeo, that that impact came out of the clouds and and then not only out that of the clouds is a great statement for Romeo Langford just to, not just say not that. not only that but he actually played real minutes in each of the last couple of games and I'm not saying those minutes went particularly well I'm not saying he got a whole lot of them but Brad Stevens threw him in there when Brad Stevens Celtics, trusts him when the Celtics had all five of their guys I don't know if he loves him or trusts him yet but he threw him in there <laughs> just to see whether he would screw up. And he trusts he him a little bit enough to play. He did like screw up, but like to crack that rotation, I think Romeo definitely deserves uh, the final seat at the table. So and to recap, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart for his game-winning play against uh, the Thunder, Kemba Walker for going off in the second half against the Thunder, and then Romeo Langford for finally making an impact. They get to sit at a Grant Williams Settlers of Catan table. That is going to do it for us here on Anything is Potable. I did that early, but if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, <laughs> rate us five the stars. premature call. It happened, man. I was just vibing, feeling the flow. Uh, if you guys are vibing, feeling the that flow was like, with That was J9, like Kemba launching it from 75 feet. And, and it happened to work out. You were Hayward right there, ready to pick it up, pass it to Tatum for the bucket. Uh, but if you work. enjoy, subscribe, five stars, tell a friend, get the word out there. Also, if you enjoy Jay's writing on The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable for 40% off. Thank you for listening. This will be our first of two free shows this week, so make sure to tune in later this week. I just realized we might not have a second show, but you know what? You're going to have to tune in to find out. But going forward after this, two free shows a week here on The Athletic Podcast Network. Thank you to listening to 